the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. One of the questions I get is, how much do I need for retirement? And there's no right answer. I wish there were, but there's not. And one of the questions that instantly thrown out there when you start asking of how much do I need and what should I do with is what do you have? Assets, liabilities, time frame, goals, experience. What? Tell me more about you. With housing prices being ecstatic and stock market prices being ecstatic over the last 30, 40 years, it's a pretty good time to have quote-unquote assets. Bonds, not so much. With housing prices currently at peak levels, a retiree could say, how much do I need? And I could say, well, let's take a look at your home. There's a little old lady. She's not from Pasadena, but she she's catty corner to me. And that home is worth probably a million and a half as a teardown, maybe two million. The lot is worth something. So if you're a retiree and you find yourself like not able to go back to work, that's a problem. Not having enough money to last till the day you die, that's a problem. You have to start being prudent and say, what else do I have? And sometimes you're going to look around and you're going to say, oh, I have a house. Invest in primarily home proceeds and saying, I'm going to come up with a, a portfolio that gives me some income. It's not a bad idea, but there's a lot more than just saying, hey, I heard on the radio I should sell my house and... and Rent. Residential homes are a terrible investment when all factors are considered, especially in California. What I pay in property taxes in some states is rent. I pay in property taxes for 12 months, sometimes rent for 12 months. What I pay in income taxes. So if I were to flee the state of California and drop the property tax, sell the property, lose the income tax of California, lose the sales tax of California, whoa, suddenly I've got a much better lifestyle in retirement. If the retirees are elderly and proceeds from the home sales could pay for assistant living, it's not a bad idea. I've got, a, like I said, a little old lady from Pasadena who lives on the corner from me. Some kids come to visit her. I think they're hers, but not very often. She's there by herself a lot. She's going to need assistant living at some point in time, like to take out neighbors take out her trash for her because there's a pretty aggressive hill near her. So if you're going to maybe sell the house and say, you know, I need $100,000 a year, I'm 90 years old, and it's a million, dollar, dollar, million and a half dollar house, you're not going to run out of money before, you know, you're, unless you live to 105, which is possible. But then again, it's, it's an is- issue. Should you sell your home to fund your retirement? Some people, that's going to be their only option. Because there's not enough retirement income coming from their portfolios or their pensions or their Social Security 
CFP Chad Burton and myself do a lot of seminars talking about income and retirement because we got a budget in retirement. Even if you don't know what it is, you got one. Do you have enough retirement income? And that's when you start looking at your assets and thinking, what can I do? Should I sell my uh, Anchorman bobblehead collection? Should I sell my baseball cards? Should I sell my stock? Should I sell my bonds? Should I sell my car? Should I sell my house? Can you change your lifestyle is a big one. I know a woman in the Bay Area who was a fraud. Her and her husband basically pretended to have a little uh, startup company that was all that in a bucket of chicken. And they kept getting people to invest in it. And they kept living off of it. And uh, she went from living in Woodside to living in Phoenix. And that's, that's a lifestyle change. Could you imagine yourself doing that? So if you have a home that's worth, in the Bay Area, it's, it's easy to say 500000 to $2 million. You know, you can, for, for a million dollars in profit, you can have bond funds yield you $36,000 to $50,000 a year in income. Now, again, that is something you probably used to pay for in housing costs. Now you don't have that house, and that money could pay for rent, and you're done. You don't have extra you know, thoughts about it. So a lot of homework has to be done. Like, how much does it cost to rent? Are you prepared to rent? I used to listen to that song in the 70s. Even though we ain't got money, I'm still in love with you, honey. Do you have love in retirement? Because that's all some people are going to have. So I think it's one of the bigger questions out there. And I think it's one that people don't look at enough. Of what does retirement look like? And am I prepared to change? Because... The little old lady across the street, I don't think in her wildest dreams, she thought, I'm going to get old, I'm going to lose my husband, and I'm going to stay in the house that he died in until I die, because I really don't have a plan. You know, as a society, we say things like, honey, if I die, I want you to go on and be happy with somebody else. But in reality, what happens is the person dies, and that's the person that you know, we never get over. That's the person we established our life with, our habits with, our ability to laugh with. So what are your plans in retirement? I think it's one of the bigger questions we should start asking ourselves. Maybe I'm having a a midlife crisis and I'm asking it out loud for for you to help me figure out what I want to do in retirement. I was sitting in a school meeting the other day and one of the administrators, I was like, I want to say, I'm going to work less. I'm going to be around a little bit more kind of thing. But you don't really want to say that out loud because once you do, it kind of makes it true. So it's out there. PIMCO picked Austin for the next U.S. office in the next big tech push. I would say it makes a little bit of sense to uh, look at Austin as a potential place that you want to invest in or as a potential place that has some upside. I'm not going to go all in on that story. Um. Because I think there's some other good cities. You know, I think Seattle's played out. But it, 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 when does it, the ball stop spinning? We don't know. But Austin and Memphis, I get. Raleigh, I still get. Atlanta, I, I wildly get. Atlanta's got a hub. And businesses like that. So when PIMCO said that they're going after Austin for the next big office push, about 200 employees... That's a lot of houses. That's a lot of like uh, money coming in the area. And uh, I think PIMCO is right on with Austin. So I think Dallas is a problem. Not my kind of thing. It's just sprawl.
So I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. If I have an event coming up, you can always use code Radio25 if you haven't been to more than two events to get in for free, Radio25 at Rob Black Show. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Tell friends about the show. Podcast is out there under Apple iTunes, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I once worked on set with a guy who was obsessed with donuts and food presentation on television shows. It was his thing. He liked to stack donuts so that like you would be watching two characters interact with each other at a diner and you'd be distracted. You look at the donuts and kind of lose yourself, much like people do in real life, right? Uh-huh. So lots of stuff going on. A lot of delivery going on, right? A lot of stories in this 21st century about drones delivering stuff and cars delivering stuff and old people getting into Ubers and Lyfts and going to the pharmacy or the pharmacy comes to them. Can you imagine a day and age where you can go walk to your car and say, well, I'd like some of those pink pills because I got phlebitis. I don't even want to know what phlebitis is, but the delivery boom is changing everything about the restaurant business now. And a lot of people need to adapt and or change. Uh, there's a restaurant in my hometown that if you take an Uber or Lyft to the restaurant, They'll give you like $10 off your meal, maybe even 10%. I'm not even sure, but I love it because they're trying to tackle the, we want to get people in the restaurant, but people who don't want to deal with parking. Got it. Got it. So that restaurant's adapting, right? There's a tech pioneer guru who I still like to read. His name's Tom Siebel. He started Siebel Systems and He'll throw out some ideas like, have you ever ridden in a self-driving car? He's like, I won't go into one. That's despite the fact that he's, you know, got an artificial intelligence company and a machine learning company designed particularly for self-driving cars. Siebel is a legend in the software industry. He sold his company, Siebel Systems, to Larry Ellison. It's Oracle back in 2006 for $5.85 billion. Now he's got a new company called C3 IoT, Internet of Things, right? It's focused on using artificial intelligence for things such as predicting failure of oil rigs and jets and saving companies money by doing so. So he's using machine language, machine learning, artificial intelligence to potentially do big things that you'll never even notice. Predicting failures of oil rigs or jet engines that might, might explode, saving companies money by doing so. You saw in 2018, there was a big story about Southwest where an engine blew up and threw a part into the window of a passenger and she got sucked out of the plane and ultimately died. So the self-driving initiatives, he's looking at artificial intelligence and machine learning going, nah, I don't buy it. But Alphabet's Google and NVIDIA and other companies are, are aggressively going after it. So he's bringing up the concept of a mixed bag when it comes to dealing with technology. I love that. So it's a mix of enthusiasm and dread and the incredible benefits to society, uh, much like the big industrial revolution, you know, it, it, it had very grave costs. 
down with the steam engine. With the Industrial Revolution, uh, Revolution, you had things like child slave labor, displacement of populations as people moved to cities. You had the rise of communism of people who, um, if you work for the state, the state gives back to you. Instead of if you work for industry, you provide your own future. It was division. So there was a lot of good in technological change. There's a lot of bad in technological change. So using artificial intelligent algorithms um, when you're buying tons and tons of materials, when you're trying to manage margins, when you're trying to protect machinery, companies like John Deere, 3M, Royal Dutch Shell are all signing up. Quasi-government entities like the U.S. government's uh, U.S. Air Force signing up. So he's an old cat, Tom Siebel. And uh, I kind of like that he's around and that he's bringing up conversations about the Internet of Things and conversations. And again, just 2017, 2018, just start watching the TV show Westworld and the questions that arise when you give a machine artificial intelligence. Are you allowed to rape and murder it? If you have a a pet robot dog, an Ibo, are you allowed to stomp on it? Or are you still a, a serial killer in the making just because it's a robot and not a real animal? There's a lot of questions, and, and even saying things like, I don't want to get into a self-driving car. It, it's telling you, like, there's going to be some hurdles to be overcome, but then we get over them. Take a look at technology in the last, you know, 20 years, when we used to use uh, beepers. Beepers! Beepers! We would pay 20 bucks a month to have someone beep us so we can call them back. And, like, I had one. I'm embarrassed by it, but I had one. So... If you go back to the 1930s and 1940s, you had, you know, back in the 1940s, you had the first computer called ENIAC. Um, And that was in Pennsylvania somewhere. Then you had IBM and digital equipment. Uh, Now you have, like, the Internet of Things. Everything kind of starts to pile on top of each other. It starts, you know, uh, but you essentially have to have a computer for all of this technology to continue to work. So there was a, a law called Metcalfe's Laws. And um, the value of network increases in proportion to the square of the number of entities connected to it and connecting to one another. So getting more information and more artificial intelligence and machine learning, it shows you like Facebook. I'm not going to say that they're bad actors, but the technology that you want out of it, it's not there yet or it's developing and it's not a big story. But the ability to figure out like, hey, Rob likes to ski. That's that's there. Facial recognition, it's, it's, we have a lot to be delighted with and we've got a lot to be worried about. And I think 2017, 2018 is really showing us that with data breaches and with problems with uh, privacy. So it's all out there. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone and give me a call. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Trying to get you to retirement hopefully sooner than later. There's a lot to think about from budgets to savings to investing. No, it's not legalized gambling. Insurance issues state planning and much, much more. Listen to the show. I'll promise to try to enlighten you. For instance, Starbucks just opened up or they didn't open up, but they're talking about having more drive throughs 
that would get more business from me. I think that's a company to think about for the long term. Patrick I was going to make espresso. Briefing.com. I always start my day at your website. Uh, not at your website, but at the company website, briefing.com. But your article, page one. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Good morning, Rob. I'm doing okay, thanks. Sound a little tired, if I can be honest. You sound a little tired. <laughs> yeah, it's a tiring period, uh, and we're just kind of getting started here with uh, with first quarter earnings reporting season ramping up. Um, a lot of news, obviously, uh, hitting on the earnings front, but no shortage of news uh, elsewhere. That's right. Now, is there anything that's important to you? Because I can tell you the one thing that's important to me, it's the, uh, t- the 10-year treasury hitting 3%. So that to me is like a little bit of a scary thing. But is there anything else in the news that other than earnings and Macron and uh, all the drama and going ons? Uh, well, you know, earnings to me right now are the most important thing. Being a being a stock market analyst, because you know, earnings should should drive the market. But um, but uh, the degree to which earnings grow also uh, has a little something to do with what happens with with interest rates. And I think that you've touched on something here, and that the the, the ten year yield hitting three percent is, you know, it's not um, it's not ridiculously high, but it's uh, certainly kind of one of those psychological levels there uh, that are catching the market's attention because as you know, treasury rates continue to move up, uh, they create you know competition for stocks that otherwise has not existed over the last you know what nine years, <laughs> pretty much. So, uh, you know, we tend to talk about what's going on with the 10-year for, for, for good reasons. But, you know, putting things in perspective here as it relates to an investor's perspective on taking risk or looking at a risk-free instrument like a treasury security, you have the uh, yield on the one-year T-bill uh, at, you know, 2.24%, which is uh, in excess of the actual dividend yield on the S&P 500. So in a period here where you've got a lot of you know volatility, a lot of uncertainties relates to political outlook, uh, things like that, um, all of a sudden, you know, people might just say, take a step back and say, I don't want the stomach-churning <laughs> volatility. I want to sleep easily at night right now, and so I'll just, you know, opera, you know, a risk-free rate of return there uh, that is okay. It's nothing stellar, but it's okay, and you'll you'll sleep a little easier. So, so that's the competition factor that, that kicks in here now with, uh, with interest rates moving up across the curve. A lot going on, and that interest rates moving up means mortgages are more expensive, credit cards are more expensive, building new buildings or factories are more expensive, because if you're financing it, the costs go up, and that's where I see the drag on the economy. With that said, is there something to be said about, you know how we've always been told, like, buy high, sell low? Um, it's almost incredibly uh, buy on the rumor, sell on the news. Is it almost that the economic news is so good that we should be lightening up because it's so good? Because it can only go not bad from here, but it can't go the, the greatest economic news ever or the greatest, greatest economic Is there something with that, in your opinion? Uh, you know, I think that's, that's a really insightful perspective, Rob. I, th- I think that, um, you know, first, let's realize, you know, 
you know, rising interest rates are a natural offshoot of an, of an improving economy, right? You should right. get higher rates as economic activity improves. As economic activity improves, you should get, you know, stronger earnings growth, okay? So that's, that's the good in this. Uh, the, I guess, quote-unquote bad in it, as you allude to it, is, is that, you know, the market right now um, has had things so good for so long with respect to low interest rates that it's, it's, uh, starting to grow nervous about the fact that earnings growth is, is near a peak. It might actually be at a peak or certainly near a peak. And I think that partly explains why you have not seen a, uh, a sharper response, really, to uh, the earnings reports early on here in the first quarter reporting period that you know are showing robust earnings growth. I mean, we're on track, according to FactSet, for 18.3% earnings growth in the first quarter, which would be the strongest in seven years. And uh, when you look at the full-year outlook for 2018, you're looking at uh, almost 19% earnings growth. So that's that's stellar, you know, And uh, but you're not getting a, a lot of follow-through buying interest right now on the heels of good earnings news, because I think that the market is kind of sniffing out the specter of rising interest rates and the potential profit margin impact uh, related to um, to those rising rates. Um, you know, one of the shock absorbers, if you will, right now, though, is that you have a market with a lower P.E. multiple than you did at the start of the year. Uh, we're at about 16 and a half times forward 12-month earnings, which is just ahead of the, the five-year average, uh, historical average. So, so valuation is still, you know, full, but it's not, you know, excessive, certainly relative to what we saw earlier in the year. And so I think that it's probably why you get a market here that tries to uh, chop around for a bit as it as it's going to kind of let things settle down a little bit on the interest rate side of things and watch incoming data and what it could ultimately uh, entail for Fed policy. So where do we go from here at this point in time? As a market analyst, um, it's been kind of a rough year. We've had some more volatility. We've had some earnings that look better than expected. I, I personally haven't seen them. This is maybe the question for you. Have you seen any of the benefits from the lower taxes and the tax cuts for corporate America? bigger buybacks? Have you seen anything tangible that's like, it's working? Well, it's, you know, it's certainly being reflected in the, in, the, in the bottom line growth that you're hearing reported here. A uh, number of companies have, you know, made a point in their press releases to point out, you know, how much lower their effective tax rate was this reporting period and how it, you know, has helped uh, with, re- with respect to net income growth. And so, um, so that's showing up. Um, certainly, um, what what you have need to see it show up more in though is in coming months is what we see on you know the consumer spending and the retail sales fronts. You know how have the tax cuts uh, inspired you know consumers to to spend more if that has indeed been the case, uh, and if you get the follow through there, uh, then you should see GDP growth. Uh, Somewhat, you know, solid here as the year progresses. We're likely to get a somewhat tepid uh, first quarter growth number, um, and, and so you have a bit of a wait and see uh, mentality kicking in as it relates to whether these tax cuts are really going to manifest themselves in stronger uh, consumer spending activity uh, and, and business investment. And so that that remains to be seen. But uh, certainly in terms of the the cut, the tax rate, it's hurt. It's 
helped a lot with respect to, uh, to net income growth here in the first quarter. You're always awesome at what you do. I do appreciate it. Um, I start my day with page one and it's earnings season, so it's a little bit of a, a cheat sheet for me to see what I need to focus on for the day. But you also finished the week with a big picture column. Tell us a little bit about the big picture and how it differs from your page one and uh, what you might be working on for the Friday column. Right. Well, the big picture um, is, is macro-oriented, you know, hence the, the, the term, the big picture. Sure. Um, and it touches on a range of topics uh, that can be, you know, both uh, economically based or interest rate uh, focused or earnings based. And so it's basically meant to uh, capture these these macro topics uh, of interest for, for briefing.com subscribers uh, to give them a better sense and a better understanding of things they need to think about to be better informed investors who can make, you know, better investment decisions on their own. Um, so the last one I did uh, last week was <clears throat> uh, just kind of highlighting, you know, what happens when the yield curve inverts uh, and when you actually see recession hit. Um, the two don't happen simultaneously, uh, but the yield curve is still a, a leading indicator. But um, but there could be some time before the actual economy falls into recession after a yield curve inversion. So, uh, but with that said, you know, looking at this week, you know, I would imagine that uh, what I will end up running around to is something related to how the market is reacting here to not only the earnings reporting but what's going on in the Treasury market and how to assess that. We've got about a minute and a half. Is there anything else that you're working on that should bring out the highlights, or should we just uh, bump through the earnings season and see how the the spring becomes summer, so to speak? <laughs> I'm all for uh, you know watching spring uh, turn to summer in a hurry here, uh, living living in Chicago and knowing that we had snow on the ground a week ago. But you know, let me just say that you know really just keep an eye on uh, kind of like the the complexion of the market here is, is you know you get good earnings news and then you know watch what the response is you haven't seen a really strong response to it which makes you think that this good earnings news has been priced in to a large extent uh, and uh, and you may get some more uh, moves to sort of sell into uh, the strength of, of stocks that have gone up big in recent years and and then you run into what we would call somewhat of a consolidation period where the market kind of chops around and goes sideways for a while. Sounds good. Thanks for your help as always. It's Mr. Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. And yeah, the the cold of Chicago is finally starting to thaw and maybe they're going to straight into summer because this has been a long, long winter. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. You can find Briefing at Briefing.com. I've been, honestly, I've been working with Briefing.com. I've been starting my day with them for almost 20 years. That's insane consistency. Long lines with Wall Street Journal and Barron's and New York Times. That's pretty cool. You can find me online at robloxshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Starbucks has got a brand new plan to dominate the world. It kind of sounds like their last plan to dominate the world. Um, well, they don't always hit home runs, so give me a break. They plan to push more lattes and egg wraps out the door, but not through the door, through the window. 80% of their new stores that they're going to open up have some sort of drive through component. The problem is McDonald's has got drive through down pretty well, as does Dunkin' Brands. For Starbucks, if someone is at the drive through before you and they get the 
coffee macchiato with double ice and a switcheroo. Oh, and they want a specialty ham and egg biscuit. Can Starbucks replicate what McDonald's does? Convenience is really the key, right? Starbucks is slower than its major competitors, and it could ultimately fire. When backfire when you built a business on free Wi-Fi, plush chairs. Um, you know, then the beauty of the baristas and how they they prepare the stuff is it the same when you push the same product through the window instead of through the you know the seat? Would you like some coffee? But that's part of their business plan. Speaking of business plans, uh, CFP Chad Burton does seminars with me in the Bay Area. We've got one coming up in the early month of May. You can learn more about it by going to robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. It's uh, May 3rd, Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar to the Juniper Hotel in Cupertino. Let's listen in to a little CFP, Chad Burton, as he talks his talk in the financial planning world. Don't forget to sign up for the event Rob Black and I are doing on next Thursday, 6.30 p.m., Jupiter Hotel and Cupertino Retirement Income Strategies. And... Uh, basically how to set up your portfolio so that you can get through market corrections. And it's, you're going to spend 70% of your time enjoying the market returns. 30% of the time is negative. Every five to seven years, you have some sort of a large correction. And as long as you are not forced to sell due to your emotions or due to having to pay expenses, you'll be okay as long as you have a plan to get through those points in time. But it's the mistakes that are made in 30% of the years that ruin retirements. And you can do several tests to retirement. I, there's there's a new Focus Financial Group. There is, um, under the blog section, there's a article you can download, six retirement tests that I talk about. And most people run their retirement scenarios on an online calculator, which are, they're awful. Online calculators do not work for retirement. If you're 30 or 40 and you're trying to get a basic idea how much you can save, have at it. They will hopefully motivate you. But if you're 50, 55 years old trying to figure out if you're ready to retire in 5, 10, 15 years, they don't work. They don't look at the fact that some people have a lot of money in 401ks and some people have a lot of money outside of 401ks that have already been taxed. So there's no tax calculations. There's no transition of a portfolio. You're going to have a different rate of return in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s than you are when you're preparing for retirement, transitioning your portfolio to a more conservative portfolio. So there's no transition of, of portfolio growth assumptions. And there's definitely no withdrawal strategies. How do, you, how do you use an online calculator to say that, okay, I'm going to have three years worth of cash on the sidelines, three years of portfolio draws, so I can live off of that when the market has corrections, but during the good years, on the quarterly basis, I'm going to peel off enough gains to replenish the cash that I've spent. How do you model that, right? Uh, with an online calculator, they can't model a withdrawal strategy. There's also no varying Social Security issues. So when you have a married couple and if you are meet, meet the right ages and you can still do a restricted application, um, you have different levels of income. When one spouse dies, a smaller check goes away and the survivor spouse gets the larger check. Online calculators don't work very well for that, do they? You can also use Monte Carlo simulation, though. But look, Monte Carlo simulations, they're so fancy. They sound so fancy that some advisors use them to sell. In other words, they'll take your existing portfolio and they'll run a Monte Carlo simulation that shows you a bad return. Because maybe you're 50 and you're all in stocks, but you're not going to be all in stocks in retirement. So it's not really a proper 
model of your retirement. So Monte Carlo simulation can be very useful tool, but if you use it, have an advisor that's using that to sell you something, I, don't, I just don't like, it's kind of cheesy. Um, what is a Monte Carlo simulation? It's used to model the probability of different outcomes in a process that cannot be easily predicted due to the intervention of random variables. It's a technique used to understand the impact of risk and uncertainty in prediction and forecasting models. So when you look at different asset classes, they all have a certain standard deviation. There's different correlations to different asset classes. But we were talking last segment about the order of stock market returns and how they're so random. And when does inflation come? When does inflation subside? You know, when is it off the charts, like in the late 70s, early 80s? You never know when those periods of time are going to come. All you can do is look at asset classes and their volatility and look back in time and how what returns were. And you can use Monte Carlo simulation, which a short version is a thousand different scenarios. A longer version might take the computer, you know, several minutes to run, which is several thousand different versions of how stock market returns can be. And it can kick out a probability of success. And we've seen situations where you look at a person's situation and you run a conservative growth rate of say five and a half percent. Let's say that what happens if you get like 2007 to 2017 returns again throughout your retirement, five and a half percent balanced portfolio through the giant credit crisis where the market was down 48% and then finally recovered. What if you get that throughout retirement? Well, we've seen situations where, okay, you're going to be okay if you get that throughout retirement. But then we'll run a Monte Carlo simulation, which has to do with a younger person, let's say 55, they're going to retire. They have could live a long time, they could live a short time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.